Alrighty, guys. Welcome back to Adventure Fit Radio, bringing it to you live. And when I say live, I mean the opposite of live. From a nice day outside, actually. It's at 22 degrees, I'd say. A little bit of wind. And uh, nice and close to the beach, so it's beautiful. Standard gag. Yeah, standard gag. I've got about seven gags. Weekly, weekly gag. Weekly gag. Um, uh, yeah, so today we spoke to a natural bodybuilder named Paul Revilio. Oh, yeah, but aren't like all bodybuilders just taking drugs? Yeah, look, I, I knew you guys would say that. In actual fact, no, that is not true. And Paul is uh, completely ripped, shredded, built like a brick shit house and, uh, and El Natural. So if you want to know how he does it, hear the show. <laughs> today, guys, we are sponsored by True Pride, which is a wealth creation service that allows you to financially get your life back and get ahead. Head to www.truepride.com.au forward slash ADVF to get the initial fee of $297 completely waived when you book a call via their website. We are also sponsored to you. I always say that. doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> we are sponsored by Carve. Guys, head to www.carve.ph forward slash ADVF to get 10 free hours of virtual assistants working on any project or small business assignment, things you have to do. It uh, it really, really does help, guys. We are sponsored to you. Oh, my God. What is wrong with me? <laughs> we are sponsored by Adventure Fit Travel, guys. Lots of cool trips coming up. Some uh, some really good stuff coming up. I can't think of any off the top of my head, Bilbo. Uh, yeah, we got uh, we got lots of trips coming up, guys. Our blog is back up and running. we got 40 bloggers walking, working uh, writing for us, getting out some uh, some awesome content. We had um, coffee. Is it really good for you? We just had um, top ten things to do in Iceland. We had um, a bunch of other cool blogs coming through. So check out uh, check out www.adventuretravel.com. Also, if you're interested in going on one of our trips, then that's a great decision. Use the code word radio, and you will get ten percent off any and all travels. So here's, here's the, the show. show. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Where did we come from? Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to Adventure Radio. We are here with Paul Ravel today. Before we throw over to Paul, as usual, we are going to start off with Tommy's tribute, which may not rhyme and may not make any sense. <laughs> hey, uh, nice to have you on the show, Paul. Um, for the purpose of the song, your last name is going to be today Revelia. So uh, let's, let's we'll just make sure we don't know what we're doing there. All right, this that works. Uh, that works. Yeah, that's good. Don't stop believing by Tom Hearn. <laughs> Just a small town man With the sensational tan He took the midnight train to Fort Lauderdale And then he went to Gold's Gym Just to get a little more slim And now he is a pro on the bodybuilding circuit Mr. Paul Revilia I want to see some fucking memorabilia Can you tell me how to get rid of my muffin top, yeah Cause I will never stop believing I'll keep on training and heaving You place first in the heavyweight class <laughs> Welcome 
I think I was a little Now where can I one. where can I get the iTunes download for that? You gotta link me. <laughs> yeah, look, I've got a million subscribers. Um, <laughs> if you just look up Big Papa sixty nine, um, sh- it should come up. So uh, <laughs> that will be the new intro for all my YouTube videos. <laughs> That's great. That'd be great. <laughs> Paul, hey, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Oh, I'm excited. I uh, after you guys gave me the invite, I looked you guys up and did a bunch of research, and um, I'm excited. I'm I'm looking forward to what we're going to talk about. Awesome, awesome man. Uh, was that a word there, Tommy, or did you say oh? I just, <laughs> I just kind of went. <laughs> All righty. So, uh, so Paul, why don't you tell us about um, what started you on your bodybuilding? Um, what started you in bodybuilding and uh, and your fitness path? Uh, ultimately, I think it was the fact that I was very, very thin, uh, at a young age. And, uh, I was like a tall, lanky, skinny, but I was always involved in athletics. I was a big, uh, baseball, basketball player growing up. And, um, I think I was just around a lot of people that seemed to have a lot more muscle than me. And so I was always taken with that. And I remember seeing, you know, pictures of like muscle magazines with Arnold. And I think, uh, you know, deep down, it was always something I was passionate about, even if I didn't recognize that early on. And it just kind of, it's always drawn me in like the, the idea of kind of changing the composition of your body and owning that part of your life has always just been um, very interesting to me. Yeah, right. So did you have, um, did you have particular heroes growing up when you were kind of getting into this whole scene? Is there people that you looked at and you're like, wow, that's where I want to get myself to at some point? Yeah, I think there was a couple phases of that. You know, early on when I first bought the first muscle magazines and, uh, you know, I saw pictures of like Arnold Schwarzenegger and like Lee Haney and Rich Gaspari and all the people from the early 80s, you know, I was enthralled with that. And then, you know, something weird happened after I'd been lifting for a couple of years and I didn't look like that. I learned about something called steroids and I realized, Mm. okay, so maybe there's something going on here because I'm not looking the way they look. Um, and then the second part of that was when I, when I found out about, uh, natural bodybuilding through the bodybuilding.com message boards in, um, like the mid two thousands. And, uh, mm-hmm. I found out about people like Lane Norton and he had a video series. And immediately when I saw these guys, the natural bodybuilding pros, I was like, that's it. That's my thing. I am going to do this. Right. So can you say a real, this may sound like a, an obvious question, but I actually don't know. Can you see a, a clear distinction between those who are um, taking gear in professional bodybuilding competitions as opposed to those that, that aren't? Because, I mean, we've um, all seen photos of people that are just doing too much, but is there a distinction between the, the competitive dudes? You know, it's, it's a tricky question because when you get to the top, to like the Olympia level, those guys are clearly taking because they're five six and, you know, 250 pounds with no body mm. fat. Mm. Um, but when you're just talking about the average gym goer, there are some genetically elite people that can walk around with a lot of muscle, very lean. Mm. Um, so I don't tend to pass judgment on any of them because I love both sides of the sport. I just have chosen to never do steroids. I, you know, now that I know more about the sport, I understand that I don't have the genetics to look like Arnold and Phil Heath and these guys, even if I took all the steroids in the world, there comes a lot more to play into it than that. So I just stay on the outside. I enjoy it for what it is. And, um, you know, I don't really worry about what someone else is doing. Mm. Interesting. So, so what was the, was it the health reasons that you didn't want to get into the drugs? Was it the, um, the fact that you thought that you could compete better if you were, if you were in the, um, the clean drug tested area of the sport? What was it that, because, you know, a lot of people just dive right in and just Mm. straight in the, uh, straight in the, yeah, yeah. Get, get taken by the, um, the allure of steroids. What, what was it that made you not want to uh, go that direction? Yeah, I've actually got a really good story for that. I was in high school at the time and I had started working out like in a weightlifting class setting at school every day. And there was another kid in the class and he had gotten much stronger than me, much quicker, you know, and, and I just assumed he was just a better athlete than me because I had played sports all my life. And you just, you come to understand there are better people. They're better athletes. Mm, yeah. Um, and then a few, you know, a few weeks had gone by, a few months or whatever, and I overheard someone say, oh, I heard about so-and-so, he's taking steroids. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then they immediately passed off everything he'd done by, oh, it's because of steroids. It wasn't the fact that he had been in the gym six days a week putting in work. It was automatically just associated with a shortcut or cheating. And I mm. think that always gave me a perspective of, I don't want to be known as, 
he's got a great physique, but he does steroids. Mm. Yeah, for sure. There's so much of that in all walks of life. Even people that uh, that, that the general populace or their, fr- their friends or so-called friends on the periphery, they don't have any clue that they're mm. on steroids. But they look big and jacked and they train hard and they do well. So people mm. are like, yeah, oh, he's probably on the road. You, know, you, you hear that all the time. So that's a really interesting point um, that you come to and... And it's just an easy way for people to justify the fact they're doing shit all in comparison. You know, yeah, like that's right. the people that do gear. Look, I'm not. I'm not saying like you should go out and do gear, but like it, you, they still have to work bloody yeah, hard. Yeah, like Paul just said, you're still yeah. you're still getting in the gym. The guys that are good are still good because of their work. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. So on. So yeah, on, he, so he worked just as hard as I did. There was no difference. It was literally just passed off, and yeah. you know. And then at a certain point, you know, when I was playing sports, I had I had hoped to play professional sports. I went to college and uh, played baseball on scholarship. So at that point, it then is considered cheating. You know, the, I played for the NCAA where, uh, you know, even some supplements were banned and definitely steroids. And then once you get into your 20s, now it's illegal in the United States. It's, you know, so there was just compounding variables that just never really interested me. And I was always able to make good progress. You know, I, obviously I don't look like Arnold, or, but I was always – as long as I was consistent with my training and diet, I was able to make progress. So I never felt like hopeless. Mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's right. What do you think about the? Um, what do you? Myself and Tommy are more. Um, I was a weightlifter. Haven't trained in a, in a while. Actually, <laughs> you're still Tommy, a weightlifter, mate. You just you're on hiatus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom, Tommy's um, CrossFit kind of weightlifting. So no, we're not really right in the bodybuilding realm. But mm. do you think there's? Um, do you think there's too much steroids? I know it's illegal and so on and so forth and whatever, but it's but that's still rampant. Everybody's on steroids. Um, do you think there's too much of it going on? And do you think it's like, what are the risks out there for people? Is it something that you really, really kind of tell people not to do, or, or what's your overall consensus with steroids in general? I, I mean, as far as in competitive physique sports, uh, when people ask me about them, I ask them what their goals are. Depends what your goals are. Like if your goal is to be Mr. Olympia, you're going to have to learn how to do them. Mm. But, you know, I typically side on the, you know, most people that approach me as for coaching and things like that, they're, they know my stance. They know that I'm natural. Most of the top coaches that are involved in that, they're also their drug uh, dealer or their drug, you know, expert where they're telling them how to take certain, there's so many different types of steroids. Now it's not just like taking a pill. Yeah. You know, you got to shots, you got to know when to take them, how much of this and that. And I don't know much of any of that. So I think, um, my, I don't really get put in a situation where people are asking my opinion on it, but you know, it's, it's a case by case basis. You know, I, I'm not morally against it, um, unless you're lying about it and competing against people that are, that are taking the tests that aren't on drugs. That's yeah. the only time I have it. So. Yeah. Which, which I was, that was going to be one of my questions, which I'm sure. Do you feel like so? Um, I think it's really good in in bodybuilding where you have a non-tested side of it. In powerlifting, you have the same thing. Um, really, a lot of sports should maybe look at going that way. Yeah. But but do you feel like you're competing still against cheats against people that are on steroids that just will still they they just want to win? Not when I compete in my uh, drug-tested organizations. You know, I, these are guys that I see you know year after year, and they're just not they're not making significant changes. You know, they're, they're literally the same weight year after year. Um, you know, they look better, they get leaner, you know, they do little things, but they're not putting on 10 or five or 10 kilos of muscle in a year Mm. after they've been training for a decade or more. It's just, you know, um, and there are like, I've, like I said, playing sports growing up, you realize there's just genetically elite people out there. Some of them can jump higher. Some people are seven foot six and some people have just the ability to put on muscle quickly so I just I understand that there's such a wide variance in the human condition that I'm not like w- too concerned if someone can put muscle on faster than me because there's yeah. people that I am uh, that I can put muscle on faster than. Yeah, it's interesting. I was I was always a kid that uh, sucked at everything. I was like, so moving away from from steroids, what do you think? We've had a few um, sort of fitnessy people on the show and. I, I always get the feeling that the the biggest factors they say that have helped with their progress um, have just been the fundamentals of sleeping right and and getting getting into a, a good diet. Um, if if that is you, what's what's some of the stuff that you you put into place to sort of help you on that way? 
Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I think early on in my lifting career, uh, like after I got out of college and I had, you know, a job and free time and I wasn't playing baseball around the clock, I made a lot of progress. And then once that progress stopped, it was more about my lifestyle at the time because I was more interested in going out with my friends, chasing girls, um, you know, and so if you, if you train hard and eat right for five days, but party for two, you know, you're kind of treading water there. You're not going to make a lot of progress. I would mm. say in the last, the last 10 years where I've kind of, you know, found myself, you know, settled down, I'm married now, literally the gym is a part of my life. Eating is a part of my life. You know, my, my, my life is set up more for consistency. And so it's, it's mostly just been about, you know, finding that place. I, I, competing in bodybuilding is not something I could have done in my early twenties. I might just, my priorities were in a different place for better or worse. I wouldn't change anything, but it just, it wasn't going to happen. So, uh, so let me, let me think probably priorities in your twenties would be girls, uh, girls, number one, women, number two, <laughs> chicks, number three, um, and boys, number four, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, bodybuilding somewhere down the rung of like six or seven, 17. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're anything like me and yeah. probably Tommy as well, I'm yeah. sure we're, we're all the same. So, um, yeah, cool. So, so when did you actually um, when did you actually step foot on the platform in the in the natural arena, Paul? Uh, in nineteen. Oh, I'm sorry. In two thousand and nine. Okay. So I was cool. already I was thirty three years old before I did a my or thirty two before I did my first bodybuilding show. Yeah, awesome. And then, so what have your like? What have your best achievements and your um? What's given you the most uh, the most joy so far out of your personal career? Uh, it would definitely be um, setting the goal and achieving the goal of winning the uh, the natural pro card where I, you know, I literally focused on it for two years and set the goal and uh, hired, you know, I hired a coach at the time and we, you know, it's just, um, it's really fulfilling and it's really scary when you put all your time and effort, all your free time. And I gave up, you know, a lot of nights with my friends and a lot of, uh, you know, hobbies that I was doing and I put a lot of time and effort into it. And uh, being on stage, you know, you have to win your class. And then I was in the overall and you have to win the overall. And both the guys that I beat in my class in the overall were both great bodybuilders. And so at no point in that, in that entire time was, um, was anything certain, you know. And so to hear my name and number called as the winner, and um, it's just something I'll probably never forget. You know, it was pretty fortunate. It was in Fort Lauderdale. A lot of my close friends were there. So awesome. I've got pictures and videos and it's just, it's just a great memory. Yeah, absolutely. That's the best. So, so what does the day to day look like when you're, um, let's say, when you're training, and then we'll go into as well when you're actually in proper comp prep, which I mean, you know, however however long it is that you start changing it up right before the comp. So, what what's a normal what's a normal bodybuilder's day look like? How how many hours are you in the gym? You're doing double days, or how does it work for you? So, so during the time when I'm not in a, the peaking process for a bodybuilding show, I definitely go to the gym just once a day, probably six days a week. Um, at this point in my life, my day is set up so I can go to the gym whenever I want. So I typically go between the hours of like 1 and 5 p.m., like kind of off-peak hours so I can kind of just have my own time, typically two, two and a half hours max. Um, and that includes, you know, some some time to tinker around, talk to some friends, Um and, uh, you know, I, I take Sundays off completely. That's just a family day. So the rest of the week, I'm just having fun going to the gym. And then uh, during prep, that's when you might get into the two-a-days if I want to split up some cardio or, uh, you know, spend some time extra at the gym. I'll split it up and go back. And do you focus on uh, – a lot of bodybuilders out there, I feel, do sort of isolation work, like a, a really good, strong 45 minutes in the gym just focusing on biceps and then that – you know, in the afternoon, they do triceps, or, or what does your 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 split or your workout routine typically look like when you when you're not peaking for uh, for competition? So that type of training you're talking about, I definitely did that. I spent probably a couple of years doing that. But what mm. you learn is that to to build more muscle over time, the most important variable is training volume, meaning sets times reps times weight. So if I'm going in the gym one day a week just for biceps, and then going back the next day just for legs, and the next day just for shoulders. You'll, be, you'll, you'll hit your limit for training volume in a week very quickly because you can only train the body part once a week. So what I've graduated to over time as I've learned not to be afraid of overtraining is 
I'll actually train multiple body parts in the same day. So like chest and back, and I'll do that twice a week so that I'm able to, even though I'm training six days a week, I'm hitting everything twice a week. And, uh, that has really allowed me to make more progress. Mm. Right. And, um, okay. So what about, um, what about when you're coming into, into, um, competition, does your, Nutrition tra- uh, change. You said you were you had to go from, um, well, you didn't have to, but you would put in a little more kind of cardio stuff. Is that just to slim, help you slim down, help you shed some um, shed some body fat? What changes yeah, think, from uh, the two the two hour session to like when you're really ramping it up to get that physique ready to go? Well, the goal throughout contest prep is always going to be to keep as much muscle as you can because once you enter a caloric deficit state, adding lean body mass pretty much stops you know, especially for an experienced lifter. So I try to keep training pretty consistent. The cardio begins adding uh, early on at a very low rate, maybe one or two days a week for 10 or 15 minutes for steady state, maybe a a session of like high intensity cardio once a week. Mm -hmm. The goal is to just be very slow and methodical and consistently losing a pound, maybe two pounds a week, roughly 1% of your body weight is the max that I like to lose. That's been shown in studies to be the best way to lose weight and keep your performance up, you know, especially for like performance athletes. So the big thing is taking the long, slow approach as a natural athlete without taking steroids. It's very important that you don't try to rush the process and force, force the body to change, allow it to adapt over time. So by the end of prep, it can be pretty full on. I can be doing five or six days of cardio along with my training. Uh, and then, you know, of course you got to practice posing and, uh, you know, it's pretty all-consuming at the very end there. The last, mm. you know, last month or two, it's really consuming. So, um, this is another thing that I really know absolutely zero, uh, zero about. about posing. What's that? You gonna talk about posing? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, well, I, you uh, do a fair bit. I see you in the bathroom every now and then. <laughs> yeah, I've I've got really good um I've got really good calves. Yeah, and I don't know how to uh, I don't really know how to pose them, but I like to um I you like to nice just calves. get up on the tippy toes and give them a nice squeeze, and yeah. they're pretty voluptuous. <laughs> they are nice calves. Yeah, yeah I've been been working on them. You been working on that calf comp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, like, what do you do when you're doing like? trying to get your posing down pat is it just you in the mirror at home and how much time and effort or do you have like i know a friend of mine who um he's actually pretty interesting um guy he 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 did a bit of crossfit competitively and then he went into some weightlifting and he's also done um some some strongman and powerlifting and also bodybuilding does everything it's it's crazy and he puts it all on his social media it's actually quite interesting to follow i know he had a pose uh, uh, a posing coach so do you have a coach or like how does it how does it work on the back end logistically behind closed doors yeah i i consider myself a very highly competitive person so when you put me in a position where i'm going to be competing against others i'm going to do everything in my power um, within the rules to, to, to do well and win. And so my first show in 2008, I actually, uh, asked around a bunch of people and I found a local guy who could help me with my posing. Because if you've ever attended a bodybuilding show, you would know there's a vast difference between posing correctly and looking like you just walked down on stage and you're lost. Yeah. Um, That'd be so I, yeah, yeah. I did not <laughs> want that to happen. So yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, the whole, the, the purpose of posing and practicing your posing is that you're being judged by a, by a set of a panel of judges that are on the floor, uh, on the, on the ground below you, basically looking up at you. So you have to manage your poses in such a way so that it highlights your, your strengths and, uh, you know, kind of hides your weaknesses. And so that's what you practice with. And, and the cool thing about technology being what it is, there's a lot of videos. So I could actually watch the videos of people posing and I would listen to them and practice the poses, record it, watch it back and go, I don't like what I did there. I like what I did there. And I would just kind of tinker the last few, you know, the last few weeks before the show. Um, and now I'm actually, you know, I coach people and I'm, I'm a, I'm a contest prep coach. So I actually will pose with them as well. So it's, it's kind of a skill. Once you learn it, like riding a bike, you can take it with you and you can always work on it, but it's, um, it's very difficult at first, but it's, uh, it sticks with you. You practice so much at it. Right, so yeah. let me get this right. So, when you walk out onto the stage, is there is there an actual a set of poses that you have to go through in the criteria, or do you go out and you yeah. choose you choose your own poses? No, there is an actual set of criteria that yes. each organization uh, uses, and they're mostly very similar. I can tell you all of them if you want, but they're basically just uh, 
the poses that they go through in order. And that's just so they can compare everyone on equal terms. Cause if you have, yes. if you're, if you're flexing your, you know, your big sexy calves and I'm over here flexing my biceps, <laughs> that's not really a fair comparison. Right. So flexing, flexing wanna, the uh, hamal. Yeah. The <laughs> hun. <laughs> yeah. You got big breakthroughs okay. in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so Paul, how, how do you get, so if, if Bill and I, uh, for example, are doing the same pose, we're uh, flexing our chest, for example, except he's got a much bigger chest than me. How, how do I work on trying to highlight my strengths and hide my weaknesses if we're doing the same thing? Well, so for example, there's a, there's a pose called side chest where you actually rotate the upper half of your body towards the judges um, and you're, you're showing off your chest. But each pose is a complete body pose. So you might have really big quads and hamstrings where you would actually be uh, kind of downplaying the upper body and, and upplaying the lower body so that they're drawn more to that look because just because the pose is called side chest, every pose is about the overall physique from head to toe. There's no pose that it's just about hit, looking at a single body part. So the judges, so because obviously I'm sure they'd be able to recognize the name of, of each pose. If you did a side chest, they wouldn't necessarily be looking at the chest. They, they are, but it's, it's more of the pose. It's more, how does this person look in this pose? Yeah, and yeah. so it's, it's, it's just the overall, uh, feel and look that you get from looking at that person um, in that pose. Cool. I think I know the uh, side chest. Is yeah, that, yeah, the side let, chest. Let me, so would that be would that be standing side on, then clasping your hands together, bringing yep. the uh, bringing the chest to the front. Uh, back yeah, leg yeah. looks in my in my mind. Back leg looks straightish, and the front leg is kind of turned a bit. T- yeah, turned yep. a bit up on the toe. There you go. Because you get Mate, a bit. Of I've cuff. got a new career. <laughs> come come to me for the physique. Uh, so it's like it's like that. And then you turn your calf to like... Well, Paul can't see it, but that's Paul what I reckon. See, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's what, like that's, that. No, no, that's... It we'll looks have to get a like, video. Yeah, yeah. Looks well, we'll, just, like this. we'll just change, oh, your, uh, oh. we'll change your business to Adventure Fit Travel Posing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Adventure Fit Posing. <laughs> yeah. we're, not, we're not even a company. <laughs> we're just posing. <laughs> um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, cool. So every pose, so every pose you'll, go, you'll go out there and then... Do you have to... When you're doing your posing, do you have to work on... In any particular way, I don't know if it's possible to really like. Do you have to work on, okay, this um, this this part of my lat or um, my mm, rhomboids mm. or or my like? Do you have to think, okay, this is my strength. I want to flex the shit out of this muscle. Mm. Do you have to work on um, even like maybe trying to activate littler muscles that you don't normally use to give you a, a, a slight advantage? Does any of that come into play? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody has a a structure, like a small waist, wide shoulder, you know, everyone has a structural advantage in some way, shape or form. So you're definitely going to learn to highlight that. And a lot of the poses aren't actually flexed. A lot of the poses are actually where you're just displaying the muscle. For instance, the back, when you're doing a lat spread, you're not flexing the back. You're actually like opening your scapula and allowing the, the back to be spread open so that it looks wider. So right. there's a lot of understanding how to move the body into these positions. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so sounds so, complex. It's not as bad as it sounds. Um, you know, with a good with a good coach, you know, it's it's not that difficult. Um, yeah, well, that's what they say about learning Chinese. <laughs> sounds hard though. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So, so when did you decide that you wanted to kind of get into coaching other people as well, Paul? Yeah, that's 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 an interesting topic because I had zero interest in in that it, it, for much of my life, um, I never really wanted to be a coach for anybody for anything. I've always mm. kind of enjoyed just let, letting people do their own thing. And, you know, um, and so what happened was if you guys are familiar with Lane Norton, he was my coach mm. somewhat. Yeah. And when I started working with Lane, I think it was kind of around the early on online coaching. There, there was maybe two or three people that were online coaching at all. That was it. And when I started working with him, it's kind of when that trend took off and, Lane had such a big following and was doing such big things that he was getting tons and tons of client requests. And when Lane moved to Tampa, I don't know if you know this, but he moved to Tampa after we had been working together and friends and I was living in Orlando at the time. So we started spending quite a bit of time together. You know, every couple of weeks we'd get together, mm-hmm. we would travel and he was always in my ear about being a coach because he, you know, he liked the questions I asked. He used to always tell me, you ask the right questions, you're interested 
you know, you, you have, a, you know, a broad knowledge base. I think he would be a good coach. And at the time, I loved my career. I worked in IT. I was a computer geek. I loved my job. It was always changing. It was always challenging. Um, you know, I felt like I was fairly rewarded. I had a lot of, like, perks. And uh, it. so what finally broke the camel's back for me was um, my first ever client had, uh, had come to Lane and said, Lane, I hired a coach. I paid him a bunch of money, like more than $1,000. And when I paid him, he sent me a plan that I could tell wasn't for me. It was cookie cutter, which if you guys aren't familiar with the coaching industry, a lot of people will just get a plan and send it to everybody. The same thing. No, no. And he recognized that. And he sent an email and said, you know, I don't like this coaching that that I purchased from you. This isn't what I was looking for. Could we talk about maybe doing something? And the guy called him and he was 17 and he got his mother on the phone and said, your son's a loser. He's never going to do anything. You're not getting your money back and you're fired. Oh, and so, <laughs> yeah. So Lane at the time was so busy, he could not take a, you know, a pro bono case at that time. And he said, listen, Paul, I know you don't want to be a coach, but there's this kid. He's local. He's had this terrible story. Would you just coach him? And, and, and there's no harm, no foul. You know, if he does good, great. If not, he's going to be grateful. And I thought, that's fine. I'll do that. So I basically just employed a lot of the things that I that I had learned from working with Lane, and uh, I worked with him. We got him on stage. He won his first show, which was like a teen show, and then he won a novice class at his next show. And at the second show, I was I was actually there with my uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, and his mother came up to me after the show, gave me a big hug, and just you know was so grateful and was like thanking me and telling me how happy she was that I had helped her son, and he was very happy. And uh, they gave me a nice card, and uh, I just—I remember that good feeling. Like, wow, this is nice. Like, mm. this is a, this is something I enjoy. Well, when I got home and opened the card, there was three hundred and fifty dollars cash in it. Oh, then it was like, oh, oh yeah, this, this, this just, just got a whole lot nicer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my wife said, "Why don't you take that money and start a business?" So I literally the next day oh, bought, down uh, <laughs> bought a name, and that was two thousand ten, and uh, that's it. That was it. It's it once. Once you change your mindset and start doing things, people start looking at you differently. And this is something mm, I learned very early on. So, um, people treat you the way you, you know, you perceive yourself. And so once I started perceiving myself as a coach and learning and put myself in a position to be a good coach, it, uh, it just started to take off to the point where I could no longer justify going to work because I was doing more online coaching. This took, this took a few years. Alrighty, guys, just a quick uh, little chat about our sponsors to break up the uh, riveting conversation we're having with Mr. Paul. Uh, we're going to uh, – what should we start with? What is your pride? What is your pride? Yeah, 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 true pride. Yeah, true pride's good. I like true pride. Yeah, true pride, yeah. All right, guys, so true pride. Um, oh, what a true pride. <laughs> well, that's a good question. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you in a second. True pride is a wealth creation service. <laughs> true pride is a wealth creation service, guys. It helps you to – Take control back in your life, get ahead financially. And uh, in case you haven't listened to the show yet, uh, you will not know this, but for many of us that have listened to the show, you will know that uh, I've been using True Pride, uh, Bill's been using True Pride, and um, it's uh, it's helped us leaps and bounds with, uh, with, with little things. A lot of people tell me why you actually went down the road of buying or going, going with True Pride when... The whole thing about you know saving money is just a habitual thing, and while I do agree with it, True Pride and the actual service they provide didn't mean that to rhyme. It actually allows you to highlight those little habits. So for me, it was always just buying food. I I just buy. I used to buy a lot of food out um, on top of my my weekly shopping, and I sort of had an idea about it. But uh, the uh, the money soft software that you get with True Pride and the the online calls for someone to keep you accountable each week. Not only helps you identify that, but allows you to put some some practices into place that actually will go against it and save money. And I've saved over one hundred and eighty dollars a week now, which is really really good. So if you want to do the same, guys, head to www.truepride.com.au forward slash advf. You will get two hundred ninety seven dollars, so pretty much three hundred dollars, completely waived when you book a call via the website. We are also sponsored to you by Carve. Carve is a VA assistance service from the Philippines, which allows you to pretty much outsource all the shitty nitty gritty work, all the projects, the assignments that you find yourself doing when you're building a uh, a building 
uh, a new company from scratch, building a new business, doing a project at school, whatever it is, uh, they can help you out with that. Bill and I use it um, religiously. <laughs> outsourcing your homework. Outsourcing your Do- homework. Doing a project at school, <laughs> fuck that, get carted right. Yeah, that's class. <laughs> what if they got it all wrong, actually? Yeah, so Bill and I use it religiously uh, for the radio. It's fantastic. Bill uses it for travel as well. Bill also has a pretty shitty haircut and um, has some average feet as well. Um, so, yeah, no. So, if you guys want to do the same, outsource your work, focus on the big picture stuff, head to www.carve.ph forward slash ADVF. That means you will get 10 free hours when you head to the forward slash ADVF part as well. Here's the show. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's amazing the, um, the feeling you get. I... Definitely, definitely get as much. Um, well, I don't coach anymore. I'm, I, I'm, I'm just too busy with Adventure Fit and the, the podcast. It's a real shame because it was one of my biggest passions in life. I was definitely more passionate ab- about coaching than I was as an athlete, although I was pretty competitive, have a fair competitive streak as an athlete. But I just think it's like, I don't know whether it's just the amount of happiness that's out there in the world mm. when you... For example, I had a buddy who was a really kind of not the greatest weightlifter, like didn't move very well, had heaps of mobility issues um, and he came to me and he just really wanted to work on his weightlifting and, and uh, we, we started training um, once a week and I was writing all his programming, he was sending me videos throughout the week of all the rest of his stuff. Anyway, we did about six months before he actually stepped foot onto a platform and he went out on the platform and made six out of six lifts. Mm. This is the first person I ever coached in a way. I made six out of six lifts. It was the best tra- or competing day mm. of his life. Um, and what I mean is like, if that was you and you just, it's, I mean, you have a coach as well, but if it's just you or something that you've, you've achieved, that's one person that's really ecstatic. Mm. You know, whereas if you coach somebody else, there's two people that are really ecstatic and yeah, can, right. can join and buzz off each other and make it even more a, a, an incredible yeah. feeling. Do you th- that's how I feel about it anyway. I think it's so addictive. The any, Coaching in any form, just helping people is just the best. 100% agree. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh, I, I'm to the point now where I travel to a lot of competitions for my clients and uh, I definitely get way more nervous for them than I ever did for myself. Yeah, 100%. I used to... I used to, um, I never even coached my little brother, but I used to watch him play football, Australian rules football. And 100%, I, would, I didn't get nervous before games. Whenever Jack would play, I'd be on the edge of my seat. Yeah. I'd have like butterflies in my stomach. It's, um, it's funny when you care about people like what it will, what it will, uh, what it will do to you. So how do you, how do you go about getting um, better? This is something that I like to always kind of ask our guests that we have that might be coaches. Um, how do you go about bettering yourself as a coach? And I mean, maybe just not like oh, I want to be able to coach a pose better. I want to, I want to be able to, um, you know, learn something about my nutrition. It is kind of about that. But what about like dealing with people? Do you, do you have any ways that you're always trying to better yourself in the way of just dealing with people in general? Yeah, I think um, you bring up a really good point. And, uh, and another great thing about Lane is that he was, He's grown such a uh, fan base and popularity and we're such close friends that he actually started doing a camp where he would bring in experts from different areas. And uh, one of the people he brought in was a a psychologist Mm. who deals with uh, people in the fitness industry and uh, talks about eating disorders and the addiction of some people for training. So being around like seminars and camps, and that's really where my, um, my evolution as a coach has gone is that I now look to attend and be a part of things where I'm going to add to my knowledge base, be around people that have a skill set that I don't have and understand more from them. I've actually worked with, um, I had a client who had some eating disorder issues who was herself a uh, mental therapist. So I worked with her. I've done videos with her. You know, it's all about getting in the head and understanding the people that you're working with. And um, I'm very in tune with that because I believe the psychology of an athlete is just as important as the physical attributes of the of the person. So if you're not if you're not in tune with an athlete in that manner, you're not going to get the most out of them. They're not going to be happy, and they're not going to uh, get a good result. And that's mm. not going to reflect goodly on uh, as well on you. Mm. Well, just on that, Paul, what are what are some of the uh, the mental techniques you do um, to keep me motivated and, and stop you from because I, I feel that overtraining is very much a, a mental thing. Um, 
as opposed to, I mean, obviously it's a, it can be a physical thing with breakdown, that sort of stuff, but mentally you've just got to stay on point for, for, for so long in, in all of our sports, weightlifting and, and bodybuilding and, and that sort of thing. So what, uh, if any, do you have some mental techniques you can shed some light on? Um, like, uh, you know, a, lot, I'm, a lot of, I, a lot of our sort of, um, guests meditate and do things like that. You know, I've, I've, I've done a little bit of meditating, but it's been mostly to calm my mind to go to sleep. I don't really use it during the day. I am a big believer in um, like being very self-aware and understanding what you enjoy and what your breaking points are. So if, if there comes a time where I need to take a day off from the gym and stay home and play guitar or spend time with my family or take a trip, I'm all about ensuring that I am in a happy place. Mm. Um, you know, over the course of my career, I exactly what it is that makes me tick and, and when I'm about to hit a breaking point and mm. paying attention to those has, uh, has, has suited me very well, but I understand not everyone has the same, um, self-awareness. And so I think having experience as a coach and working with so many people that have such different, you know, outlooks and approaches has really helped me as well because I can, I can offer advice and give feedback. And when I feel like someone needs a push, I can give them a push. And when someone needs a day off, I feel like I can give them the day off. Um, and that all just comes down to caring about who you're working with and being an actual coach and not just a dictator. So that so that's another good point there with um, recognize that because I, I totally agree that you know your training and all that sort of stuff should be based on how you're feeling on the day. Do you when you're uh, coaching an athlete? Do you do you work off percentages or I'm not really sure how how bodybuilding works. I know for for us for weightlifters. Um, a lot of the time, people will try to go for percentages, um, hitting four by three, eighty percent, or whatever. Um, you know, is that something that you do? And if an athlete's not feeling good, is it is it is the program more based on how he's feeling, and and is it like kind of tailored um, every time you step into the gym? Yeah. So in the last four or five years or so, powerlifting has become very popular. Um, the uh, the IPF, the drug-free raw powerlifting um, organization, that's the worldwide organization. There's a the USAPL is the US version, has grown exponentially over the last few years. And uh, you know, I've competed in powerlifting and I've been a part of it. And again, attending seminars where I've worked with um, like people like Dr. Mike Zordos on programming and and had discussions with people with like a lot more knowledge than myself. I've I've come to be able to develop programs where you're actually using auto-regulation techniques, auto-regulation meaning the day that you go in based on how you're feeling, you'll do one of three different workouts. So on, on a day where you don't feel as good, you might train at a lower intensity, but get a little more reps. Whereas a day you feel good where the bar is moving fast, you'll choose that to be your higher intensity training day so that you get more out of it. Mm. Um, it's kind of an evolution in training. I don't think beginners can understand auto-regulation. It's more intermediate to advanced people. So my programming definitely varies from beginner to advanced. And see that that sort of stuff is like taking away the the old mentality of you you always need a deload week and you know it's like three weeks on one week off because let's be honest I mean I'm I'm sure we've all been there where you you'll hit a deload week and you'll by by day two or day three you you feel great again and like I always feel that if the body's feeling really good you should go for it you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, tapering and deloading, there's a lot of new information on that as well. And, um, again, being around so many smart people, I've, I've just got such great influences in my life and my, my training programs. It's, you know, it's mm. allowed me to be a better coach and, and I actually feel good about the services I provide because of that. So you're mm. absolutely correct. So your programs, I just want to get, get this clear. So you, you write your programs and you have a variance in each day. So do you have like, um, um, if you're feeling like you've got five exercises or something, if you're feeling, um, if this is a really low day or you're feeling, uh, you're feeling a bit low, then instead of doing this, it actually says that they're on the program and they can just pick and choose to some extent on how their body's going. Uh, I'll say this very few of the people that I work with are at that level that I do that. Most of yeah. the programs I write are based on, you know, if you're going to squat Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you're going to take a percent of your one rep max and you're going to train. And then on the last day, you're going to do what's called an AMRAP or as many reps as possible. And that's going to judge what we do the following week. And then if I notice performance suffering, that's when we might take a taper week, a little deload, 
and then do some testing and then keep going. So very few people, I do have a few programs that are written in such a way, like when you warm up, what you'll do is you'll warm up to an estimated max. And then based on that estimated max for that, the conservative max for that day, you'll train based on that number. Mm, yeah. um, but that's, that's pretty advanced. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Gotcha. Because I kind of get the feeling like if you wrote three programs um, and you weren't there, everyone would always just take the easy option. I'll just do <laughs> 20 minutes of bicep curls and uh, that, that's been a good leg day. <laughs> um, so, hey, Paul, so do you write, um, you write nutritional programming as well for your clients? Absolutely. Yes, yes, sir. Cool. And what is um, – like what is a – what is a week's nutrition look like um, day-to-day – for a bodybuilder and then what how does it change going into comp again yeah so nutrition for a bodybuilder uh, pretty typically you're going to be familiar with like a higher protein approach so i'm going to try to do the kilos because i'm a pounds guy you know we're we're stuck yeah. in the uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. the uh, united states here but uh <laughs> yeah. um basically you're going to get a a gram of protein i guess it's going to be two grams per kilo mm-hmm. um you know, it's going to be on the higher side um, for protein. Carbohydrates are really, really, really valuable for bodybuilders. You know, they're the best macronutrient for performance and for recovery. They allow muscle to fill out. Um, you know, they're the most easiest used form of energy for performance athletes. And um, I, I kind of believe in a, a really balanced approach. You know, I, it's you know, protein's high. I want to keep carbs as high as possible, but they are the most variable macronutrient. And then I want to keep fats in a good range, at least usually 20% of your total daily calories, just for the benefits of digestion, for the benefits of hormone support, for, you know, uh, joint support, all that stuff. So it's uh, the really the biggest variable through contest prep, you know, your protein and fat is going to stay pretty consistent, um, unless you're taking in a lot of both. And the carbohydrates are going to decrease throughout contest prep. Um, That's where we're going to get the most uh, change and uh, it, it's really very variable if I would have to know more details. But, you know, someone like myself, I can give myself an example. I probably start off contest prep at like 260 protein, 400 grams of carbs, and maybe 80 grams of fat. And by the end, I'm probably 250 grams of protein, uh, 130 grams of carbs, and maybe 50 grams of fat per day. So, Jeez, it's, that's, you know, uh, that's a big, yeah, right. that takes away a lot of carbs, hey, by the end of it. Yeah, but I also use what's called uh, refeeds or diet breaks. So I'll take one or two days a week and I'll bump my carbs back up to three or 400 for the day uh, for some hormone support, some muscle glycogen to refill just to give you the mental break and feel like you're eating again. Um, you know, these are some of the techniques that you use as a coach to make fat loss sustainable for a long period of time. Mm. I saw um, I was exhibiting at the uh, Australian – yeah, I was an, an, an exhibitor, exhibitor <laughs> at the uh, Australian Health and Fitness Expo and I saw a guy come up to me and uh, he was ready to go up on stage in the figure or bodybuilding, I can't really remember, but he was um, had, his, had his spray tan on and he was in his, in his jocks and he had like a towel around him and he was yelling at his girlfriend, where is it, where is it, where is it? And uh, I looked over. I'm like, "What's this dude? What's this dude? Hey, where, where?" And then his girlfriend came running over with a slice of cake. Oh yeah. And I said, "What the fuck are you doing, yeah. man?" And uh, he tried to explain to me. So I thought it was like he was off the stage, and he's like, he just needed some carbs because he'd been. But yeah. this was before he got on the stage. Now, does this make any sense to you, Paul? And if so, can you explain to me what was going on? <laughs> My best guess, if he was about to go on stage and he was trying to eat some cake, is the <laughs> is basically just trying to get some last minute glycogen, which That's is right. you know, sugars That's and carbs. Yeah, and then cake is going to be mostly sugary, so it's going to digest pretty quick. Um, people experiment with different foods, um, but yeah, that's the basic idea: is just to get into the bloodstream and get your muscles filled out, so that yes. when you go to pump up, you can actually get that you know, that vascular, like mid-workout feeling is what you want on stage. Yeah, so that's what he actually, said. That's what wow. he said, basically, without me understanding it back then. But to hear it again, that's basically what he said. So is that something that you do to try and get that? Do you, do you have anything that you would eat on stage, like like a little um, sugar sugar pouch or anything like that? Is that one of your techniques? Or a live bat? <laughs> yeah, so uh, actually, I, I do the same thing. I have people bring me cake uh, and I yell at them, no. Um, yeah. I think... The human digestive system actually requires that food be in your stomach before it goes to the muscles for a little bit of time. So the cake that he ate 
probably didn't hit his system for a few hours, if not the next day. So I typically am going to have somebody carving up for a few days before a show, mm. uh, because during the during the the process of contest prep, you're so depleted for so long that you need carbohydrates to refill muscle glycogen for the day of the show. So if you're waiting till an hour before stage, you're not going to get a lot of benefit out of that. However, yes, we do use some things backstage. You know, pro- common things are like rice cakes or honey or anything that's just basically a pure form of uh, carbohydrate that's going to digest very quickly. And some people, you know, they like to have like a glass of wine. Some people like that. There's all kinds of different uh, things based on sodium, based on carbohydrates that different um, people and coaches use. But um, yeah, I just try to keep it simple and use the same foods that we've used throughout contest prep. And basically I've learned throughout working with someone for months what they respond well to so that the week of the show where we're peaking, I've actually already put everything in place. So last second, there should be no need for anything that drastic. It should yeah. just be mm. out, you know, just, just continuing what we've been doing. Yeah, so, yeah. fair so, enough. So what are your uh, your favorite cheat meals then, Paul, if you've got any? You know, hard, it's hard funny. Every, every, time, every time you diet down to really low body fat, I feel like something different uh, is in my taste bud. The first year it was like, I was really into like ground beef and eggs when I dieted. And the last, last time it was, um, peanut butter. I was obsessed with anything with peanut butter. Um, I'm, I'm Italian by nature. So I love pasta. And, uh, whenever I, you know, whenever I start dieting down, you just start to miss the things that you can't eat. And, you know, heavy pastas are just hard to have because they're so calorie dense. So that's Mm. something I constantly miss and salty foods as well. Oh yeah. Jeez, um, not my idea of a cheat meal. That sounds like my good. That's not my good diet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what I'm on. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, hey, so, um, so Paul, let's um, before we we start to wrap up, we'll go to six from six. A few questions from me and Tommy. I uh, just wanted to ask, like, what's next on the plate for you? Where do you see yourself in the next five, ten years? What's 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 coming up? Well, um, yeah. So this this 2017 is going to be a fantastic year. I've got. I've got trips planned. You know, I'm definitely going to be going to the Arnold in um, Columbus, Ohio. I'm definitely going to go to the Olympia. I'm going to be attending a lot more fitness uh, events. And uh, this February, I'm taking my wife and my son, who's not even three yet. We're going to go skiing. So that'll be their first trip to see the, the snow. Mm, cool. And I'm going to go to Colorado. Uh, I'm planning a summer trip for Australia. That'll be my sixth hey. time. Hey, Dan, we'll have some cake. <laughs> yeah. What's, the, uh, what's the, the occasion? Uh, we come and do seminars and, and travel around a bit. And one of my best friends lives in Melbourne, so I love to get hey. to spend some time with him and his family. He uh, really? he played basketball in the states, so we've we've been in touch for for years. Um, awesome. So yeah, it's and and my my business is interestingly, um, you know, it's growing. My um, I want to say my popularity is growing. I mean, you guys found me, so I just want to mm. continue to put out information. I've got a few projects in the works, like uh, websites and things that I'm working on, so that I can reach out more people. Because as a coach, you can't really, you can't really expand beyond the amount of people that you can work with, right? So you're yeah. you're kind of limited in your reach. But I'm working on some projects that are going to allow me to reach more people. Obviously, it won't be on the same level, like very personal. But I want to put out information that I feel is relevant. It's going to help people. Uh, safely reach their goals, understand things on a different level because there's just so much bad information out there that I want to continue to, to mm. give back. And uh, so that's it. I'm just about moving forward and um, continuing to push the envelope with, you know, me, myself, my personal brand, but then also my business and, um, you know, getting involved in as much stuff as I can that, that I believe in. Sounds sure. good. Sounds awesome. All right. So um, before we get you out of it, Paul, we want to go to six from six. So that's three questions from me, three questions from Tommy. My right. uh, my first question is, what is your favorite destination on the planet? Your dream, uh, your dream spot that you like to travel to, um, or that you've been in the past. Yeah, so you guys are gonna get a kick out of this. It's definitely one hundred percent Melbourne, Australia. Hey, <laughs> get around Zing. us. Where, uh, where now that is that is that is not me. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> just buttering up to you guys. I've actually you know <laughs> ah, been there sorry. five times. <laughs> Love yeah. the city, uh, love the food culture, just the, the people are so vibrant. Um, there's just a cool mix between, you know, the downtown life and like the suburb life all along the water there. 
My buddy mm. Brett owns a bunch of restaurants in Melbourne, so wow. he's his food, the cuisine. I love the uh, the Greek and Asian fusion, along with the uh, the Aussie style and um, you know fashion's cool there. It, yeah, it's we, just we, it's we just a little, really cool city. Yeah, I would, yeah. Uh, I would I would I would move there if if I had to live anywhere else. Yeah, absolutely, good stuff. Go us. And then uh, my second question is. Um, your dream destination, somewhere that you haven't been that's on top of your bucket list? I think number one would probably be Bali. Um, just because, you know, I think locations that are far away seem more exotic to me. Like maybe to you guys, I don't know, maybe you can correct me, but like things like that, that are close to me, like Mexico, Cancun, uh, things in the Caribbean, like the Dominican Republic and Bahamas, all these things are so close to us, the Virgin Islands. Yeah. But for whatever reason, Bali, when I see pictures of it and I think about going there, it just seems like such a cool vibe and um, a destination and just unplugged from the world, beautiful setting with the beaches and the, the, the huts over the water. I think that would be my uh, my bucket list currently. Yeah, great. Bali's, Bali's awesome. I've mm. been there a lazy eight times. <laughs> um, but it's like, it's like Mexico for you guys. I mean, there's people that go down to Mexico every every winter and get some sun you know it's 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 our it's our first port of call so yeah mm. for us it doesn't have that same um same appeal yep. yeah exactly. I think it's, uh, that's right that's oh, good. right um good I, i'm glad i was right there <laughs> yeah yeah no you'll love it um my last question is any books that you have read that have um, really positively influenced you whether they be just a really good um, biography or or a good novel or a good um, self-help or educational book can be anything that you would recommend the torah the quran <laughs> bible <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, I'm a big, I love reading biographies. I love uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger biography. Mm. Um, his story just always has um, just inspired me, you know, from his background to where he's gotten. And so I, I definitely would 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 say the Arnold Schwarzenegger biography um, came out a few years ago, and it's it's really good. Um, other than that, I loved, I loved, I don't read a lot, but I love to read like when I travel, like Dan Brown novels. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with, yeah, you know, like yeah. oh, it's Angels, Angels and Demons, Demons and, yeah. uh, you know, Da Vinci Code. I've read every Dan Brown novel. That's, that's my like, once I open the first page, I literally can't put it down until I finished it. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Sounds like a bit of a health reset. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, all right, cool. That's, that's my three. Tommy, you're up. Hey, uh, Paul, what's some, uh, some stuff you like to do when you have some downtime or, or spare time, apart from spending time with the family? That's, uh, that's a cop out, my friend. <laughs> all right. So if we take the family out of it, my yeah. biggest thrills, uh, my hobbies include uh, guitar playing, although mm. I don't have iTunes hit list like you guys. Um, <laughs> I played sports in college and um, I had a lot of downtime and there was like three or four guys on my hall that played uh, guitar. So I have a bit of a guitar collection. I have four or five here in my office. So I, oh, you know, I'll pick up the guitar and play for 30 minutes at a time here and mm. there, you know, put on some, some music that I like to play along to. Um, I'm a, I still love sports. If I can get out and, you know, play 18 holes of golf once or twice a year, I do that, go to the driving range. Uh, I love basketball. I can shoot some baskets any time of the day. Uh, my TV watching has diminished drastically. I used to be a big lover of watching sports, but as the business and as the brand grows, I, I really have very minimal time for watching mm. sports. Uh, turns out that's not such a bad thing. Yeah, so for sure. I'd, I'd say guitar and, you know, shooting a few hoops. Those are probably my two favorites. Beautiful, man. Um, uh, now, biggest role model growing up. We, we sort of touched on it a little bit earlier, but uh, do you have a current inspiration or, or a big role model that you had as a kid? I, you know, I've already said his name. It would probably be Arnold. Um, yep. cause I'm, if I told you my dad, that would be a cop out, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, the whole story just to go from a poor kid in a village in Austria to basically, you know, bodybuilding champion of the world, governor of the 17th largest economy in the world, you know, mm. highest grossing movie actor of all time. That's just a, it's just a really cool, you know, and a lot of people, they don't really get into the heart of Arnold, how driven he is and how oh, yeah, for sure. most people don't realize this, but Arnold Schwarzenegger was a millionaire before mm. he ever did a movie because yep. he started a brick paving company in California. So uh, what a lot of people don't know is that Arnold Schwarzenegger, before he was a movie star and while he was still uh, competing as a bodybuilder and, um, and he lived in Venice, California, he was already a millionaire. 
um, because he started a brick company and a mail order uh, supplement company. So he was basically, you know, had really high aspirations for his life. Um, but a lot of people get caught up because at one point, you know, he had the greatest physique in the world. So I think, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it's about, you know, he has a lot of famous quotes and one of the best ones is just about like, he's never going to be satisfied with being normal or accept that he always wants to push. And, um, you know, that's what life is all about. And I, I, I agree with him there. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think that's a really good point. I, um, I do, I do like that stuff about, you know, always pushing and all that sort of stuff. But, um, I think, um, happiness, you know, can sort of be, uh, taken away sometimes when you're always in that frame of mind of just have to go, have to go, have to go. I mean, like, I feel like happiness is growth and all that sort of stuff. But, um, do, do you get the feeling like, uh, the, these athletes at the very end of their, uh, um, oh, sorry, the, at the very high level are kind of in a, in a negative mind frame because they're just so competitive. This is just a short off topic question. Yeah. I think a lot of people look back with regret, um, you know, when they realize what they gave up and what they sacrificed. Um, but as long as you understand, you know, that yeah. something is short term and you can kind of, you know, that's one thing about being, having some longevity in a sport and, uh, you can actually start to appreciate things on a different level. Um, you know, especially, you know, early on when I first competed in bodybuilding, it was like life or death, all or nothing. And yeah. as I've gotten, you know, the last couple of years, I've really started to actually enjoy the process and understand that it's a, it's a short term thing and I, I should just enjoy it. Mm, mm. Yeah, great. All right. Well, uh, final question, my friend. If you could invite three people to dinner, dead or alive, who would they be and why would they be there? And uh, obviously your family can be there as well. So three, three external people. Uh, three people. Well, because I've never met him. Arnold Schwarzenegger absolutely yep. would be on my list. Uh, number two would be The Rock. Oh, uh, yeah. Awesome. Good one. Yeah, he's just uh, charismatic he's and he's a badass. He actually used to mm-hmm. train at the same gym as me in Fort Lauderdale before he was like the you know the the icon that he is now. He was always sure. really nice and, and pleasant to talk to. Um, and the third, get your tissues ready because I, I had to think about this <laughs> one for a little bit. But um, you know, my mom passed away at a really young age. Um, I was in my early twenties and um, she had ovarian cancer, and so mm. she hasn't got to see this version of me. So I just think it would be it would be really cool to like catch up with her. I never really appreciated the great mom that she was because I was caught up in my own life in my early twenties, you know. Sure. And um, it, it would just be a great to you know to have her just get to talk to her and explain how grateful I am, and then also you know let her see the kind of person I've become. I think you know she would she would be very you know happy. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. No, look up. No doubt she's um. Looking down with a with a smile. Hey, hey, well, Paul, that was awesome, like, man. Um, I, think, I think she'd like to meet The Rock too. To be honest, yeah, yeah, I was just, yeah, that's right, exactly. And uh, yeah, she definitely loved to meet The Rock. I'd love to meet The Rock. <laughs> hey, Paul. Um, finally, mate, anything you want to plug? Uh, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, social media. It's pretty straightforward. Everything is under Paul Ravella. P A U L R E V E L I A. So like, cool. at Paul Ravella for Instagram. Uh, you know, YouTube slash Paul Ravella. Those are my two biggest platforms that I really like to post on consistently. I am using the Snapchat, which is also at Paul Ravella. Um, <laughs> and uh, my, my website that I run my business through is ProPhysique.com. So that's where, you know, if you want to reach out to me for coaching or anything like that. Um, and then the sponsor that I'm uh, most closely associated with right now is Core Nutritionals. They actually have a distributor in Australia too. So, um, you know, okay. uh, Massive Joe's is a big supplement distributor in Australia, and they they uh, they deliver the core nutritionals products that uh, that sponsor me. You know, the Doug Miller is the the best natural bodybuilder in the world, hands down, and it's his products that he's developed um, over the last ten years, and they're just they're great things. And um, so, I even though I'm sponsored by them, I would use the products whether or not. And um, just being associated with uh, that brand is something I'm I'm really proud of. Awesome, awesome. good stuff. Well, um, thanks a lot for coming on the show, Paul. Absolutely, guys. It's been a, it's been a it's been a pleasure. I'm gonna await your invite to the next crazy adventure so we can do some bungee jumping in Bali or whatever. Yeah, Sick. cool, hundred percent. And we'll um, we'll have to catch up when we are, when you're over in Melbourne. Um, when well, I, when is that? When are you coming over? Well, the date's not set. Last year it was uh, March, April. It was um, yep. early April. We were here for the, we were there for three weeks. We did uh, Melbourne, Perth, and Sydney, 
this next year we haven't set up the schedule yet, so I'm not 100% sure. So it's either going to be in uh, April or it's going to be in uh, like June, July. So you're yeah, winter. April. April's oh. um, the Arnold's are on in April, mm. um, so yep. that's probably a good, a good, uh, good time for you. We'll have a protein shake. <laughs> Alrighty. Yes, sir. I'll definitely, I'll definitely uh, email you guys so we can, uh, you know, sit down and have a bite. I'll invite you to one awesome. of my buddy's restaurants, and we'll. Uh, yeah, awesome. We'll have a long black mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Sounds <all> good, right. <laughs> mate. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Paul, and uh, that's a wrap. Alrighty, guys. If you uh, if you like the show today, and uh, you like the cut of our jib, then make sure you subscribe. And if you are already a subscriber, then please leave us a rating and review. We've been hammering on about it of late, and we do nearly every show. Mm-hmm. But it just really helps us grow and get better. And that way, we can give you a better product. And that means we can get a YouTube channel going, better video content. We can get more. Um, Exclusive um, interviews and behind-the-scenes stuff. We can also uh, we can also get us out get ourselves a travel travel budget, so we can uh, we can go to people and have in-person interviews more often um, because it's just so much better of a product. We love interviewing all these stars over Skype and all these interesting people over Skype, but it's just not the same quality mm. as if you got them in person. So we want to uh, we want to bring you the best possible product available and uh, we need your help to do that because without our listeners, without subscriptions and ratings and reviews, then none of it happens. So uh, so that's how much it actually means to us. So make sure you go and do that. Uh, if you want anything from the show notes, head to www.adventurefittravel.com forward slash radio. It's all in there. And head to www.truepride.com.au forward slash ADVF. Get uh, your joining fee waived of $297. Also, head to www.carve.ph forward slash ADVF. Get 10 hours free on any project and head to adventurefittravel.com. Use the code word radio and get 10% off any travel and trips on there. All the good stuff. See you next week.